this episode was originally a live conversation at the ETH Entrepreneur Club's launch event back in October 2021. If you're not embarrassed when you launch your first product, it's too late. Welcome to the Swisspreneur Show, a podcast about startup stories and learnings from experienced entrepreneurs. Here's your host, Sylvan. Pascal, it's such a pleasure to have you here today. Thank you so much for taking the time. Thanks so much for having me. You studied business in St. Gallen, New York. So we wonder back in 2000, what did young graduate student Pascal want to do with his career? Yeah, I mean, I was definitely ambitious. I guess I went to the wrong uh, university, I must say, that uh, high school instead of uh, ETH. Um, maybe we'd have done that differently now, I must say, and not just because I'm here, but um, I was definitely ambitious. I wanted to change the world and thought uh, the world is waiting for me, which <laughs> was probably a bit uh, naive. Yeah. You actually then chose the traditional career path. You went to the corporate, to McKinsey, a consulting firm. How did that shape you? How did you experience your time there? Yeah, I mean, 20 years ago, really the thing, at least um, in St. Gallen, or if you studied um, business, was really going either into business consulting or into investment banking. That was basically the key options that many had and, or, or were considering. And uh, so I started at McKinsey. And I think I learned a lot. So, I mean, in terms of like analytical skills, in, in terms of getting to know different industries, working really with C-level people at the very early stage, um, I think I learned a lot. Uh, I also worked a lot. I definitely learned to, to work really hard, probably a bit too hard at, at the time. And then at a certain point in time, you actually also realized that, hey, the corporate world is probably not the right fit for me. And you decided to start your own companies. How did that happen? How did you realize that it's the moment to start your own companies? Yeah. No, I was always very interested in entrepreneurship. So that was something that was fascinating. And after a few years of working at the corporate, I... um, uh, a professor from University Hospital of Zurich called and said they have a project in cardiology uh, where I would be interested uh, in joining as a first uh, team member. And that was then super easy to just say, yes, that's, that's the moment to, to enter the startup scene. And to actually get started, we want to share some of your best tips and learnings. So when you get started, you actually, at the first, that, what, the first thing that you actually do is looking for co-founders. So how did you find your co-founders for your different ventures? Yeah, I think that's really uh, the most important thing that you need to do right in early stage. Um, because it's, it's in a way like, like getting married, because it's very difficult to change that over time. If you find out, well, actually, this co-founder is not the right fit or we're not really being efficient together. So I think it's a super crucial um, decision and most first-time founders I think do it a bit erratically in a way that maybe you study with someone at uh, at ETH and uh, and uh, and it's a nice knowledgeable person and and you get into it rather than really thinking like what am I what is the perfect founders team right in terms of 
I mean, it's all about diversity at the end, uh, starting with functional diversity. You probably shouldn't just be tech people. Uh, it makes sense to have uh, to add that maybe with some medical people or with some biologists or with some doctors in, in any field that is relevant for you. So, so I think from that perspective, diversity is important. But then also gender diversity is super important. Um, from my perspective, uh, I would always want to have female co-founders as well. Um, regional or cultural diversity, if you're um, entering the US first, it probably makes sense to, to do that with a, an American, if you're European, stuff like that. Um, and, and, and really, I think it's important to take time because this is a, a super crucial um, decision that you, uh, as I mentioned, that you cannot change over time. Very often people also talk about values that are important with your co-founders. How can you actually test them to, you know, when you take time, how can you test and figure out if your co-founding team is a good one that you should actually really start the company with? Yeah, I'm just now um, starting a new company again. And, you know, I really want to feel that people care about this topic. And if they are more asking about what is the salary and, and the remuneration and the and the option package at the beginning. I think all that stuff needs to be discussed at some time. But if that comes in early, that I mean, that's for me kind of a red flag. The and wrong I, motivation. Exactly, exactly. I, I really think you need people who, who truly like what, what you want to do. And, and that should come first. And all the rest is really, for, for me, like, like second. So, so I do feel that, that you, you get a good understanding just by spending time together. Another challenge that you face once you found your co-founders is actually building your product or service. How do you tackle that big challenge? Yeah, I think one of the issues I did like early in my entrepreneurial career is that many, probably many people with a technology background have that, that you want to build a perfect product rather than just really, really go out super early, do something very very scrappy and just test it and go out. So I think there is a saying in San Francisco that if you're not embarrassed when you launch your first product, it's too late. And, and I truly think that this, is a, that this makes a lot of sense. So really, you know, I don't really believe in ideas and stuff that much anymore. I, I believe in just really execution, getting it done, iterate, 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 start with something uh, very basic and then kind of uh, take it from there. So you're a believer in traction, so to speak. Yeah, absolutely. And traction is basically winning your clients. That's like the next big challenge that you face to win the first clients. Do you have any tips on, on that topic? Yeah, I mean, I think if an initial question is really um, to define your market. And I think especially now I'm, I'm coming from the healthcare industry, like typically a Swiss healthcare startup would start in Switzerland and then go to Germany over time, maybe expand in Europe and then go to the US. And, and I think that's something we did different at Ava that we said, let's before entering any European country, let's start in the US. And, and it's been a very good uh, decision for us. Um, could also be China, could be uh, India, it could be another country or directly into Germany or, or so a bigger market. So I think that's an important one. And then a second point, 
that seems important, especially for people with a strong tech background, which probably um, most or all of you are. Um, I think often, like um, at the beginning, you think like we have amazing technology, so so people will just kind of buy that or know that. We do a few LinkedIn posts and then boom, it, it works. Um, and uh, so I think really marketing is, is very important because nobody cares about your product really. You need to go out there and um, whether it's B2C or B2B, um, I think you need to be present. And, and then obviously if you do a B2B business, it's different uh, in terms of going out there than if it's B2C. Um, but yeah, you need to go out, I think, talk to your customers. Right. And, you know, going out also costs a bit of money. So you also need to fundraise most likely at a certain point in time, if that is your goal. You also have a few lessons to share on that topic. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we have a lot of discussion about that. And, and obviously fundraising is a, is a big one. If you want to build a unicorn, you need to raise a lot of uh, funds. I think if you look at the typical NASDAQ IPO, it's probably five to seven rounds a few hundred million at least uh, dollars being raised, some even billions. Um, and, and typically, um, this is a process that takes uh, a long time. So it, sometimes if I talk to kind of um, startups who say, you know, I need a few million and then we'll be break even and, uh, and things will be good ever after, I, I, I don't really believe that. Uh, I think it's really, especially if you're successful, um, you will go through many rounds. So I think it's important to understand valuation. You don't want to get too much diluted within a specific round. Um, yeah, so there is a, a whole thing we're actually doing. That's why I was smiling. We're actually doing a masterclass about uh, exactly that topic, uh, which will be on Swisspreneur probably coming out over the coming months. Uh, so there will be a lot of insights about that. Um, but, uh, but one thing, I mean, coming back to traction, I think Really, that's the nice thing that you don't need a lot of money for, for many things, right? Especially if it's software, but even hardware, you can do with all these rapid prototyping uh, stuff, you can do so much and, and start really go out there and iterating, build traction before you really raise any money. And the discussions with investors are so much easier if you have traction than if you don't. So I, I would really kind of start to build something um, very low cost and, and only then once you see traction and go out to, to, to raise money. I think that's a wonderful tip to set the focus right. We talked about your corporate career real quick. You know, when you joined the startup world, you probably also have to make some tough trade-offs. I can imagine the first one, pretty obvious one, your salary. You know, working at McKinsey and eventually becoming a partner there would have meant big dollars. Working for your own company, starting your startup, probably not that big dollars when you're operationally active there. Was that a challenge for you or how do you solve and handle that? Yeah, I mean, I'm, 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 not, um, I'm not so interested in money, I must say. And, and I think this is a different discussion if you were in other parts of, uh, of the world. But I think in Switzerland and probably many Western countries, we are in this kind of nice situation that whether you earn $100,000 or $500,000 or even more, doesn't really make a big difference, at least not to me. And frankly, I, I don't live differently with $100,000 than with a million. Um, and 
yeah, so for me, this was never an issue to just um, live with relatively little money, but do something that you truly like. I mean, that's for me what makes me happy. It's, it's, it's not a, a, a big car or a, a nice house or whatever. It's, it's really doing stuff where you think you can really make a difference. And then you know why you get up in the morning. Exactly. Did you also have to make any tough trade-offs with your social life? Because as a startup entrepreneur, you also work a lot of hours in your own company. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's more than 40 hours, but I really try to kind of balance that. I'm in this startup world now for almost 20 years. And, and for me, it's not, you know, some people sometimes, especially first-time founders, they say like, you know, I'm going to work day and night and then like in five years, I'm going to do an exit and then I will have a lot of money and just go whatever to the Caribbean and be happy. Um, and I think that's a naive concept, at least for me. It's, it's really the destination and not the, uh, it's, it's really the journey and not the, and not the exit that, that uh, I think counts. So to make a long story short, I really think you, you, you need to keep living even if you do a startup. Um, I think it's wrong to just go all in and, uh, and, and not care about your friends, about your partner, about your family and stuff. Um, I really think you need to have some form of uh, balance, but it's probably not a 40-hour balance, but maybe a 50-hour or sometimes 60 hours, even worse in, at, at, at really times where a lot of stuff is happening. But I think you need to really kind of find this balance. Water damage or a fire in the office building can mean the end of your startup if you're not properly insured. Whether I'm just starting a new company or growing fast, the topic of insurance is often not a top priority. And that's totally fine. Yet, it's hugely important to be properly covered here. On a personal recommendation, I turned to the insurance broker WSR Partner with my first company. The advice is highly professional and completely independent. As an expert, WSR Partner understands the situation of my startup and obtains quotes from various insurance companies so that I can choose the best offer. They are paid directly by the insurance companies. There were no costs for me at all. Because we work with Alex and the team of WSR Partner, we offer you a free consultation. Get independent and professional advice, whether for startups or an insurance check for established companies. Book your free appointment now at www.swisspinner.org slash WSR. So it sounds like you really were able to find that balance for yourself and also deal with the, the stress that also comes with being a founder. Do you have any tips of, of, on how to actually you know, get there and, and manage the, the stress and also the risk that you're taking to a certain degree? Hmm. I think it's about not being arrogant and just say like, you know, what I'm trying, I truly try to make this work, but, but we all know that the, 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 the odds are against you in a way, right, as a startup. And, and if you're not arrogant and, and true to yourself and, you know, the way you treat other people when it's going up steeply um, they will treat you when it's going down steeply and all that stuff happens especially in the startup world probably in general but definitely in in the startup world and if you're humble and, and nice to people i think it's 
it's okay to fail. And I have failed, right? And I've had many difficult times. But if you're, yeah, just true to yourself and nice to other people, I think it's not a problem at all. Are there any non-negotiable rules that you followed where you said, you know, I'm not going to sleep less than seven hours or eight hours, or I'm always going to have dinner with my family? Were there any of those rules that you strictly followed to keep a good balance while working as a founder? No, not really. Maybe I should. <laughs> well, it seems to work out pretty well for you so far. No, I'm, no, I'm quite flexible. I mean, I do try to kind of live relatively healthy. Um, don't have that much time for sports at the moment, so I eat relatively healthy, vegetarian, almost be, always being vegetarian, do sports, use my bike whenever I can, don't have a car. So, so small things like that, take the stairs and stuff. Maybe I have some rules that, that I try to just kind of incorporate, but, but at the end of the day, I'm flexible. So if, uh, if, if it's just a few hours of sleep or whether if it's a big, fatty, greasy pizza like you love, <laughs> it's totally fine. <laughs> I, I totally support that. <laughs> so now we sort of talked about the challenges of starting your own company, the challenges that you have to solve when you start your own company. But of course, there's also the other side, the highly rewarding side. Yeah. So one point you already mentioned, you really know why you get up in the morning. It's really rewarding work. Can you elaborate a bit more on what makes it so rewarding working or founding your own startup company? Yeah, it's really, I think, working on topics that you truly care. I would never do a startup where I would just be in for the money, you know? Like if everybody says, you know, now you should do a, a foreign exchange platform on blockchain, whatever, because you can make a lot of money on it. If you truly care about that, perfect, go for it. But if you say like, oh, this sounds like an area where I can make a lot of money, I don't really care about FX trading, whatever, right? you're probably not at the right thing. So if you work on, on stuff that you truly like, I think it's at the moment I'm, I'm starting a new, a new company and it feels like holidays in a way. It's, really, it's just cool to get smart about that stuff, talk to everybody, start building stuff. And I really like it. And obviously it's not just, it would be naive to probably say it's just nice, but but yes, this liberty and working on relevant topics is really something that, that, that is super, super cool. Maybe for people who haven't found that calling yet, that, you know, the thing that they're really passionate about, how does that feel? When do they realize that they actually found their, their passion or their calling? Can you describe that feeling? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess some people call it the flow and, and probably everybody knows it, that you're just... You know, there are phases where you're, everything you need to do, even the, even the smallest thing, right? Writing a, an email, whatever, right? Just takes you energy and you're like, oh, I need to write this email to this person, right? Or you, you're constantly behind people. And, uh, and then the, the, the opposite of it is really this kind of flow where you just, you, you just get, you're productive, you get things done. Um, and I guess also like for if you were looking at uh, doing startups, I think starting from a real problem that actually you know quite well, I think is usually a very good um, starting point. I couldn't agree more. Yeah, that's the motivation that also keeps you through the tough and difficult times. At the same time, you also receive a lot of customer feedback, direct client feedback about your solution, your product. 
what role does that play for your motivation and your spirit to be an entrepreneur? Mm. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's both. And, and often you hear more negative stuff from customers than positive, especially, I mean, maybe not in an initial phase where it's your friends, right? They try to be nice to you. But, but then if you go out there, I mean, it's uh, also at Ava, I mean, get a lot of positive feedback, but also uh, critical feedback and, and even really negative feedback. So I think that's something you need to just be prefer- prepared for. And uh, I think over time, then as you grow, you, you will have a customer success team and stuff and you try to really kind of go see the bigger picture and just kind of understand MPS and understand the key issues that you need to work on and, and get it to a more abstract level. Right. Another advantage of an entrepreneur is often also called the freedom and the flexibility that you can also sort of decide a bit about your own day. Of course, probably not if you're a big scale up, then your agenda is pretty set from the external. How did you experience that? Was that also something that you experienced as a very positive effect of being an entrepreneur? Yeah, now and especially early stage. Um, early stage, you have a lot of uh, freedom. Um, and as you, as you mentioned, the, the bigger you grow, um, the, the more your agenda just kind of gets uh, taken over. Um, but early stage, this is uh, a super cool thing. Also compared to probably corporate where some other people will just set your agenda, you, you're really um, absolutely free to, to, to do it uh, however I want. And with the new company also now kind of post-pandemic, if we can already call this time post-pandemic, but I think a lot of stuff also changes in terms of like, how do you work together? So my next company is not going to have an office anymore. And, so people will work from wherever and you, and you meet maybe uh, three days or so a month and, uh, and you work intensively together and then the rest um, is, is remote again and, and obviously with frequent calls and stuff. But all that stuff, I mean, you can decide. It's really up to, to you as a founder to define the rules and say, I'm, I'm not against having an office. I mean, if this is something and you're all in Zurich downtown or so, this is probably a good thing to do. Um, um, but it's fully up to you to decide. Really, that freedom and flexibility at heart. You're also a very interesting example because now you're again back in the early days, so you have that freedom and flexibility, but you also have the experience of running a company as a CEO when it's in scale-up mode, where you probably don't have that much freedom and flexibility. Do you like both equally, or do you have any preference? No, I guess I'm an early stage guy in a way. So I really like this initial idea from, yeah, or like this initial phase from idea to, yeah, a few million or 10 million of revenue, something like that. This, this is really like this roller coaster, this um, very creative phase that, that I truly, truly like. And I think then there are other people who are good at scaling. I think from 10 to 100 million, it's, it's much more about operational excellence. It's, it's about stuff that I, I don't like and I'm not good at. So I, uh, yeah, I'm definitely early stage. Yeah. So now we talked about the challenges of starting a startup, but also the beautiful sides, the advantages of doing so. From your perspective, what prevails, the, the advantages or the disadvantages? Uh, <laughs> you know the answer to that. That's right. <laughs> no, I mean, it's, uh, but that, it's I mean, so obvious for you. It's like totally. the best. I could never go back to a corporate. I, I, I really couldn't. Uh, I think it's, it's just 
So I mean, for me, it's just so much better. You sort of made yourself unemployable in that regard. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> and at the moment, you're working on your fourth startup already. Um, can you also quickly tell us a bit more about the future? What can we expect from you? What are you working on? Yeah, so I think the pregnancy journey is, um, is, is super inefficient around the world and, and, and should be really kind of rethought from scratch. Um, and I think the pandemic is, is now also like uh, making stuff possible that would have been difficult a few years ago. And, and if you look at sub-Saharan Africa, it's not only inefficient, um, similar as in the Western world, but there is also a, a very high mortality and morbidity around that. And over the last two decades, I've spent quite a lot of time in, in African countries, um, especially in Kenya. And, um, and I'm now working on a new startup in, in that space uh, focused at Kenya. We're really excited to see what you're building and cooking there. So to wrap up this session, we have a few rapid fire questions for you. I give you a short selection. You have to make one choice and explain it in one sentence. Are you oh. ready? <laughs> so the first one is CEO or board member, because you've been both. CEO. Easy choice, why? Now CEO is about like, yeah, rolling back your sleeves and getting your hands dirty. Um, so that's definitely what I like. It's not against board, I think board is okay, but, but yeah, if I can choose definitely CEO. Yeah. And if you were not an entrepreneur today, what would you do? <laughs> it's a hard one. Um, travel, probably travel. Okay. Don't like know that. how to with what money to travel, <laughs> Sure. Yeah. Travel, uh, yeah, I think that would, would be it. And for you, what is the best time of the day to focus on deep work? Uh, early in the morning. Like what time, what, what? Not super early, but seven, seven okay. to 10, 11, that's where I'm most productive. Cool. And if you think about your startups, your different companies that you work with, what is your biggest regrets that you have? Hmm. Well, I mean, I've made millions of mistakes, but I think this is also important to, to kind of move forward. Regret maybe that I haven't invested in some really cool startups uh, from friends. For, I was living once with um, Kaspar and Copetti, one of the on-running on co-founders. So. Um, Considering that they are now valued at ten million dollars, it would have probably been a pretty good investment. <laughs> I remember you said you didn't believe in the idea like many other people did not back in the days. It just seemed like well. A I mean, I knew thing. that Casper and, and David and the founders. I mean, I had, I, I knew they are really, really good. So, so in that way, I mean, I, I very much believed in it. But, but the initial idea, yeah, uh, it's true. I mean, I didn't think that they're going to take on. Nike and Adidas. <laughs> and also thinking startup-wise, what are you most proud of? I know we Swiss people don't like to answer that question, but I think it's... No, but I think it's really making a difference for, for your customers. Uh, I think that's, that's really... And just getting feedback from people who said, like, thanks to you, um, I became pregnant or... I had, you know, um, um, you know, I saved the life in, 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 in terms of the previous companies I, I built and stuff. I think that is really, really cool. 
I think that's the perfect sentence to end this conversation. Entrepreneurs really can change the world. Pascal, thank you so much for being here. Thanks a lot. This episode was brought to you by Swisspreneur's main partner, Clara Business, the digital all-in-one solution for small businesses. Managing internal processes manually and on paper wastes an incredible amount of time. That's why Clara digitizes everything, allowing you to focus on what really matters, your core business. Go to clara.ch to find out how your business administration can be simpler, faster, and more efficient. Again, that's clara.ch.